we often get focused on the work and the tasks, the productivity part of it. But as a leader, as a manager, you're really supposed to be more focused on the people because the people are the ones who are doing the actual work and interacting with the customers and so on. So the first thing we have to do is we have to be sure that those managers have a real solid appreciation and understanding of what it means to be a communicator. Hey, it's Nikki Llewellyn Gregory, and you're on Gut Plus Science, a mentoring platform for people-first leaders of all levels. Here, we talk to exceptional leaders who prioritize culture, get fired up about employee engagement, and are excited to share ideas and tools for bettering employee experience to help others. Thank you for joining us to invest in being a better leader. Now, let's get to it. Catherine Coble is here with me today to talk about a topic she'd like to help leaders at large to get better at. We love to mentor on the show. And Catherine, I know you're passionate about changing the way we equip leaders on the front lines. Why is this topic or challenge important to you? Yeah, thanks, Nikki. I'm just so passionate about it because I really believe that communication is just the foundation of connection. We're all humans. We all speak. We all interact with each other. We think we're good communicators, but sometimes we're not as intentional as we'd like to be, and we can really get better at it. And this is something that I think a lot of managers struggle with, and it's something that they can get better at. Totally. And when we're talking about communication as a challenge, people will talk about divorce statistics or challenges in marriage or challenges raising a teenager or whatever. Pretty sure a lot of the things we're going to learn today are things we can apply in a lot of areas because communication is so crucial. And how often do we just overlook it, even though it's this foundational thing that we really should prioritize? I know Borshoff does an incredible job of that. Our company loves partnering with you guys and learning with you guys. And I'm really excited to break this down, really honing in on intentional development of leaders on the front lines and how do we do that? And we'll be honing in a lot on what you've learned through communication and some exciting things to share at the end. But how do you suggest that we shift the way we lead and equip frontline leaders? What is that shift that we need to think about? The first thing we have to realize is that our frontline supervisors in any sort of organization really are those individuals who have the most influence on the workers, the employees in our organizations. And so they are the ones that employees are looking to, to really understand what's really going on here. What do I really need to be focusing on? And they're not really listening to the CEO as much as we'd love to think that. It's important for the CEO to be communicating well with their broad base of employees. But the reality is that frontline supervisor is who the employee is really looking to and typically trusts the most. So the first thing we have to do is we actually have to understand what we're up against. Engagement is not good right now, right? We've all heard those statistics. Employee engagement is just not very good right now. Lots of people are looking to do something else. There's this whole term of quiet quitting. All of those things are true, but it's not just the employees. It's the managers too. The managers are even less engaged in many organizations, and we can't really expect them to carry the message and to be able to connect with the employees to raise productivity or to accomplish corporate goals if they themselves aren't feeling engaged. So that's the first thing we have to do. We have to understand where our managers are at. 
And as leaders of leaders, we have to be intentional for caring for them. If we can care for them, show them that we care about them, they're going to be much better equipped to show that they care for the employee base. I love that. And it reminds me about a story when I was working with a company maybe five or seven years ago, and the executive team all got together because the majority of the employees were challenged by the benefit opportunities and not necessarily just pay and healthcare or whatever, but just all kinds of things with how the benefits were set up. So the majority of these employees, hundreds of employees, the executive team gets into a conference room and they brainstorm on solutions. And then they come up with a solution and then afterwards it wasn't going well. So they sent out a survey to ask for feedback and whatever they picked was the least of what was wanted by the people. It just was making me think it's like our frontline leaders are the ones that are hearing the everyday and to help us make the decisions and shape them because they're in it. They're right there. So I love that shift that you're sharing and have seen it play out. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, sometimes our frontline supervisors don't actually understand what their role is. They have to make a mindset shift themselves. They have to recognize that I've been promoted into a management position and that's a completely different role than what I was doing before. Before I was focused on the work producing. And I think a lot of managers get stuck in that and they think they're still responsible for that. And yeah, yeah, I manage people too. But the reality is it's actually a complete shift. Their focus now should be completely on the people who are doing the work, not the work itself. And that's a hard shift to make. Yeah, so good. There's one thing that you said that I'm just curious if you could elaborate a little bit. You were talking about truly caring for them. And so we need to truly care for these frontline leaders, which then ripple effects onto then who they care for, the majority of the workforce. What does that look like? Just as an example or two. A lot of it comes down to listening and caring about the person as a person before you jump into the work. It's really easy to have conversations about tasks and about to-do lists and about project status and things like that. Sometimes it's harder for us. And sometimes we even feel a little awkward asking people just how are they as people? And I think we've gotten better at this, especially since the pandemic. You know, we all are much more attuned to mental health in the workplace, things like that. So I think we're getting better at that. But I think sometimes managers tend to want to push through that to get to the work part of the conversation. And sometimes that's not necessarily the best way to really make some progress with the employees. It's really more about focusing on the person first. It's not about what you need to say to the employee. It's actually more about just listening and having empathy and providing belonging cues in the conversation with that employee so that they understand that you're there for them. I'm pretty passionate about just the message that relationships trump everything. If we're a leader that has a strong relationship, even if sometimes we struggle in our communication, that person who we weren't clear communicators when we wanted to be, that person comes to us and says, Hey, I didn't really understand. Can you help me? Because you have that relationship built versus just like, whatever, you care enough and that you've built that bond that helps you go to deeper. And so I love to always throw in that reminder that like when we spend time, like you said, listening and asking questions that help to develop it deeper, it's just, there's a relationship built that people will 
run through anything because of a relationship like they want to pursue. So thank you. Okay. So I want to hear about this company you admire with regards to their efforts in building and supporting their frontline leaders. Can you tell us the story? Yeah, definitely. You know, I was actually speaking just a couple of weeks ago with a good friend of mine who is the director of people development for Chick-fil-A, one of the Chick-fil-A franchises here in our area. And he was telling me interesting stories. I mean, we've all heard the stories of how Chick-fil-A really excels at management and at caring for people and leadership and that kind of thing. And all those stories definitely are true. But in talking with my friend, he was telling me, we do spend time training people and especially training managers to train others on the hard skills. Of course, that's important. But we actually spend a ton of time on those softer things, helping our managers care for people, trying to be much more focused on being relational as opposed to transactional. Think about that. The company like Chick-fil-A, they're transactional and the thousands and thousands, hundreds of thousands of individual transactions happen every day. They're working in a really fast-paced environment, but yet they are very intentional in how they spend time with their employees and specifically with their managers to help equip people so that they can be much more relational and think about the culture that they're building. So that was one great example. He gave me all kinds of great stories and examples of how they do that. That's so cool. And I think a lot of us that listen to this show admire Chick-fil-A and just always want to be learning from those that are doing great. And that's just, that's awesome. If we wanted to break down other key takeaways that create such a different workplace experience, like maybe bullet those out. So we've talked about truly caring and listening and soft skill training, just any other things that we want to mention before we keep going? Yeah, definitely. So in the course of that conversation, he was giving me some specific examples of some of the things that they do. And I thought this one was really helpful and it sounds like common sense, but I don't think we often do it. He said they are very intentional about making time for doing debriefs. And so he said, you know, we're in a fast paced environment. We constantly are moving super fast. There's not a lot of time to stop and say, hey, this broke down. Let's figure out how to fix it in the future. We got to keep going, right? It's just constant movement in their environment. But they make time to do these debriefs. And when they do that, they're really taking the opportunity to learn what went right and what went wrong and what can we do to change that in the future. So that, you know, that's a communication issue. They also make sure that they're very, very clear with their team members about expectations. And this one just really struck me in the conversation. He said, we can't hold people accountable for things that they don't know are expected of them. We have to be very, very clear. And even if we think we've been clear, we often haven't been. So they do what they call ESRC, expectations, skills, resources, and then the C stands for either consequences or celebrations, taking the time to talk about the consequences of actions, but also taking time to celebrate what comes out of some of those actions as well. And I love that. I thought that's a great way to think about how we equip employees in a simple formula that managers could easily follow. And I think it would really empower them in their communications to know they're sharing the right things at the right time. Totally. I love that. So many good takeaways there. 
just what you learned from your takeaway through your Chick-fil-A friend could take days to be able to really figure out how do we implement this stuff because it's so needed and it's so good. Just so many great takeaways. Thank you for sharing that. Let's talk about when it comes to intentional development of leaders on the front lines. What does intentional development look like for entry-level frontline leaders unique to leaders at other levels? One of the things that we've discovered in our work in employee communications, employee engagement, is that frontline supervisors often don't even realize the extent of their role as a communicator. And so we as leaders of leaders need to be sure that we are helping them understand that role and appreciate that role. You know, I mentioned earlier, we often get focused on the work, the tasks, the productivity part of it. But as a leader, as a manager, you're really supposed to be more focused on the people because the people are the ones who are doing the actual work and interacting with the customers and so on. So the first thing we have to do is we have to be sure that those managers have a real solid appreciation and understanding of what it means to be a communicator doesn't just mean relaying information. It means they're setting the standard. They're setting the tone. When we do our media training, for example, more than 50% of the communicating of a message is in your nonverbals. It's not just in the words that you say. The words are important. You have to pick the right words at the right moment to express the right ideas. But it goes so much beyond that. It's about the tone that you use. It's about the inflection in your voice. It's about the way that you set it up, where you actually say it, when you actually say it. All of those things are important. And if you're not intentional about it, you might leave something that's confusing to an employee. You might say something that they don't really understand. There are just a lot of factors that go into good communication, and it's just important that we're intentional and we're thinking about all of those things. So I think that's the first thing. And then it's also important that when we equip our employees, when we equip our managers, that we really make sure that they know it really is about taking care of the people in their charge. I think it was Simon Sinek said something like, leadership is not about being in charge. It's about taking care of those that are in your charge. And I always love that because I think that's an important lesson for us as managers to remember. And it's not so much about just being nice and trying to make friends. That's not what management is about. It's just about understanding these people in your organization are resources and they are the ones that are going to help you achieve your goals. So what's the very best way to help them be as good as they can be and as good as they want to be? That's what we have to focus on as managers. It's so good. And you know how a couple minutes ago, all the things that you learned from your people executive friend at Chick-fil-A, and I was like, holy smokes, all of these things. I just want to go and sit down and kind of look at what I'm doing and apply it to me. But then here's something that's peace giving is really the most important thing is pretty simple. It's if we show care and build the relationship, all of these other things we can start to pepper in, but it's really more simple than we probably make it with all of these things as to like, what's really priority is to spend time because you've said at least three times focusing on the person over the task. Yes, soft skills training and yes, different topics of debrief and those meetings, but it's a lot of times just spending time asking questions, getting to know them, building the relationship. And then all of those things. So 
Internal communication. When I think of you, your team at Borshoff, I think of incredible marketers and advertising specialty and PR, and then your internal communications niche that I just admire because we have some overlap in both doing some different areas of that. Let's talk about internal communication specifically for the frontline leaders. What types of internal communications are most important to inspire leaders on the front lines or equip them? How does that look different? You know, I think one of the most important things that the higher level leaders in an organization can do is to be clear and to be transparent, to share information, but to also seek feedback. That's going to be the critical piece, making it a two-way conversation. And when we do that, then the leaders at that next level feel very empowered and can have really good, authentic conversations with frontline employees. In the work that we do with our clients, we always encourage them and we help them prepare not only the training that a manager might need to feel comfortable being a communicator, but we also try to give them very simple, plain language tools that can help them tell stories. I think storytelling is just so important. We know we hear this a lot in marketing. Of course, it's important to capture people's attention with stories. And it's no different when we're talking about employee communications. We've worked on some different campaigns with various clients over the years where it was really a whole internal story narrative that we would put together. We had, for example, one client who really wanted to move from a manufacturing mindset. They were a manufacturing company. There was no changing that, but they were moving to more of a digital mindset. Yes, we're a manufacturing company, but we are doing it in a digital age. And there's a digital component to what we're doing that we have to embrace if we're going to continue to be successful in our industry. Okay, well, that's a pretty big shift for traditional manufacturing employees to start thinking of themselves as digital-focused employees, right, and working in a digital age. So it was a mindset shift that we had to go through internally in that culture, And so we developed all kinds of great tools for those frontline supervisors to help share the vision, to reinforce the right kinds of behaviors. And we did it all with storytelling. We painted a picture for employees of what does the future look like and what's my role, the average employee doing my everyday work, what does that look like for me? Because that's what everybody wants to know. How does this impact me? Sounds kind of selfish, but it's true. I mean, it's human nature. We all want to know as soon as we hear there's a change or they want me to start working differently. What does that mean for me? What does that mean for how I do my work? And we all suddenly feel very vulnerable. So we have to recognize that and tell employees, it's okay. This is going to be hard. It's going to be tough, but we can do it. We can do it together and we're going to equip you. And we do that with stories because then people can put themselves in the middle of the action. They can say, oh, okay, I can visualize this now. I can see how I fit into all of this. Okay. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I want to go into when we talked last time, you spoke of a book, No Rules, a book about Netflix and their culture. And I remember how this came into this conversation about this episode that we wanted to prepare for but I don't remember the details. Tell us how some of those takeaways apply here to growing leaders on the front lines from the no rules. Yeah, definitely. So that's a book by Reed Hastings, a former CEO of Netflix. And 
founder of Netflix. And as you know, they've been wildly successful. And so it's really a book where he recounts the culture that they built there. And there's a really big element of that that is a communication approach that he put into the culture. And I just thought it was so fascinating because it was a little counterintuitive in some ways. And so basically, just to give you the background, Reed Hastings talks about these three different approaches that he built through the Netflix culture. The first idea was building up what he called talent density. And the talent density idea is just hiring the best of the best and really building up that density of talent. The second thing he talked about was now that you've got that density of talent, you have to increase candor. And this is where it gets really interesting. He's like, we have to relentlessly encourage people to say what they really think. And then third was just removing controls so that these very innovative, wildly talented people can really push through innovation. And so just going to that mill piece there, that idea of radical candor, which is, of course, another great book that I love by Kim Scott. What Reed Hastings says is we have to create a culture where people feel they can really say what's on their mind. I think you and I probably both have grown up with that whole idea of praise in public, criticize in private. As a manager, that's the way you're supposed to do things. And Reed Hastings said, no, actually, we're going to put it all out on the table in front of everybody. If you have something that's corrective, critical to share feedback, we're going to share it out in the open and we're not going to hold back. And of course, you have to be careful with that. You know, that sounds really dangerous. But the whole idea is that we're working to build a culture where it's not only that you're going to be really transparent, but you're doing it because you want the company to be better and you want that individual to be better. And so it really gets to that idea of positive intent. So if you can build that kind of a culture, then sharing that kind of feedback, it can just be amazing for your organization. I'm putting this book, I've heard of it a number of times, but I'm going to put it on my list because I'm intrigued by a couple of these things that you're sharing. And when you think internal communications, I'm so glad you brought this book up and I see exactly why helping all people to have a voice. And we have a good friend and advisor to our organization at People Forward Network. His whole thing is about creating a speak up culture and having great people that then you build up and help to be able to trust that they can say, and we want you to speak up and share all the things so that we're all taking ownership and doing our best together. There's so much to that, but there's such a gap for our averages to be there. Like the average workplace is not operating that way. So I love that you shared that. So I am so excited about Borshoff and People Forward Network working together to create better experiences for people. We want all people to find meaning in their work, have clarity, know where they're going with their next steps and be excited about it. And it all stems through leaders and the way that we communicate and the systems that we build inside of our organizations. Because communication, it's challenging, but we can take it and we need to prioritize it. We're creating a brand new series that will be monthly that is going to break this down to help us get better. And Borshoff, Catherine, and team are going to be joining us for this. And we are so excited about it. I think the first episode is going to be coming out in January, if all timeline goes as planned. Just so excited. And I'd love to hear your thoughts about what this partnership is going to be like on your side. So we are so excited, Nikki, to partner with you and really with your whole network too 
put together a podcast that really speaks to internal communications. And, you know, whether your business is small or large, whether you're really established or you're a startup, good internal communications practices are, they can really just make or break your success. And I'm just so passionate about that. And really our whole team is. So we wanted to bring to your audience just a smattering of some lessons that we've learned over the years and some examples of some things that we're seeing. So we'll talk about some trends. We'll talk about some tips. We'll try to give you some ideas on even good technology to use to help make internal communications run a little bit smoother. And those are really all the things that we're going to focus on so that we can really help organizations to really thrive. So we're just super excited. Can't wait to get started. I love it. I'm so excited too. Stay tuned. Not very long from now, we'll start hearing from Catherine and her other team members at Borshoff on the regular. So this was so good. So Catherine, we're not done yet. We got to take just a quick break because we come back to our lightning round where these are very quick answers that things that you didn't have a chance to really prepare to be able to tell us. It's just your authentic self that we get to know. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Shout out to the Talent Talks podcast by Titus. Show host Jonathan Reynolds, CEO of Titus Talent, brings a unique blend of fun, humor, and passion. Jonathan's vibrant energy shines through the microphone as he engages with every guest live, creating a captivating synergy. Jonathan collaborates with each guest to delve into topics that empower leaders to make optimal hiring and engagement decisions from a people-first lens. You gotta give this podcast a try, Talent Talks. All right, back on Gut Plus Science with Katherine Coble. We've been talking all about the ideas that work best in equipping our frontline leaders to do the best job and to feel great about their work. It's been so good. Catherine, we do this lightning round on every episode. We always start with this one question, but then the next two questions are going to be about really drilling into something unique with you. So favorite book of all time or favorite recent read to add to our ever-growing recommended reading list? Yeah. So a recent read, I think I may even mention this to you when you and I have talked before, was Six Types of Working Genius by Patrick Lencioni. Loved it. Really made me think differently about myself and my team members. Awesome. I have a friend that just got certified in this and has been talking all about it. So it's been all around me. I want, I need to add this book as well. So stacking up the books today from recommendations from you. Okay. So Catherine, tell me a hobby that you never envisioned having, but you do it now or you did it. You just never thought that would have been a hobby for you. So I took up running in my 40s. And so that's something that I've been doing regularly for a little more than a decade now. And I decided, you know what, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to really do it. So I'm trying to run a half marathon in all 50 states. And honestly, it's more about the travel for me than it is the running. But if you'd have told me I was going to be a runner 20 years ago, I would have laughed and said, there's no way. Oh, wow. That's so cool. In all 50 states. So like, where are you at right now? How many? 41. Whoa, that's incredible. I will just say I'm going to have to have Ashley Young from the People Forward Network team to listen to this. She shares this with you and she's going to be impressed. Uh, can't wait. You two will get to know each other soon. All right. And then Catherine, how about a travel location that just takes you away? Your soul's connected there. Since I started running and trying to run in all 50 states, I've actually been looking for beautiful places to run. I'm like, if I'm going to run 13.1 miles, I'm going to do it somewhere beautiful. And so I have just really become obsessed in the last few years with the national parks. Really didn't spend a lot of time at national parks when I was a kid. 
and have now been to quite a number of them. And I think Utah, there's five national parks in Utah. We went to all five last year and it was just amazing. That's so cool. And there's just nothing like the richness of nature. Some of these parks and just nature itself, like you see things that you're like, this was created. This was not man-made. God created that. It's just inspiring and soul filling and keep going, keep running and keep getting outdoors. Absolutely. Love it. It cleans me out. That's how I feel about it. Being outside. Okay. I want to know favorite place that you've ever completed one of your races, which was your favorite? Probably in South Dakota in the Black Hills. Gorgeous, gorgeous area. Just beautiful. I absolutely loved it. And if you had to pick one park that you felt more connected to or loved above the others, which one? Probably like Zion out in Utah. Gorgeous. Just lovely. Well, this has been so fun. I've loved it. And again, we're going to be doing more of this, but there'll be your own episodes. I'm so excited about it. Before we go, what is the best way for listeners to connect with you after the show and stay in touch or ask a question or whatever? Yeah, I'd love to get connected to anybody who's interested. Probably the best way would reach out to me on LinkedIn, Catherine Coble. Happy to connect there. You can also check out the Borshoff website and connect with me there. It's borshoff.biz, borshoff.biz. Catherine, I am so excited about our future partnership that is getting ready to roll out for the 2024 year. Absolutely love working with Borshoff and your experience and creativity and results-oriented thinking around impacting internal communication is just wonderful. Here's my truth you can act on from today's conversation. Number one, frontline leaders have the strongest impact on employees. We need to remember that and we need to focus our development priorities here. Number two, caring for the frontline leader is crucial. Spend time asking questions to get to know them and just listen and spend time in relationship building. Relationship building is why people stay or having relationships is why people stay. So many statistics out there about that. I love that reminder. Number three, review the soft skill training you have in your employee development training. How are you investing in developing the soft skill side or many people in our world now say the crucial skill side? Number four, focus on the person over the task and building the relationship first. There's a theme here, caring human to human and just thinking about how am I doing right now when it comes to people over tasks and just a constant reminder that it is so important to prioritize that relationship over the task. Those relationships trump everything. We'll see you next time and can't wait to kick off our new series with the team at Borshoff. Thank you so much, Catherine. We just left the world a little bit better. Now, go do something with it.